You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Anybody recognize that tune? Put your hand up if you recognize that tune. That's not bad. That's a tune from a very famous film. It's the theme tune to a very famous film from the 1980s that was called Chariots of Fire. And the story was about a very famous, it was about a group of runners, but it focused in specifically on one guy. His name was Eric Liddell. And he was a very famous runner. He was a Scottish runner. He ran in the 19, I think it was 1924 Paris Olympics. Um, and he ran in the 1924 Paris Olympics. When he ran in the Paris 20, 1924 Olympics, the final he was supposed to be in, with the race that he was supposed to run, which I think was the 100 meters, was to take place on a Sunday. But he was a Christian believer, and he didn't want to work on a Sunday. He didn't run on a Sunday. And so they tried absolutely every kind of influence to try and get this guy to run. They even brought in, at the time, the King of England to try and encourage this guy to run on a Sunday in this race. But he would not run because he said, no, my faith is more important to me. But... What he decided to do was they said, would you run in the 200 meter race in that event? It wasn't his best race. I think it was either the two or the four he ran in the the end. I can't remember the specific detail. I think it was 200, which wasn't his race. And he said he would run it. And he ran in the 200 meters race, a race that wasn't his race in which there were better, faster runners than him. And yet he triumphed and he gave the credit at all times and in all places to the Lord who gives him strength and helped him to run. Do you know something? This morning, in the natural, we are facing a reality. The Cork City Marathon is running today. Today is the day of the Cork City Marathon. I've run in it once. It used to happen on a Monday. I think it's probably going to be happening on a Sunday from now on, um, which means I probably won't be running it. But what can you do? But I used to, I've run in it a few times. I've done the half marathon a few times. I've done the full marathon as well. I did it once, did the full marathon. Um, and it's fantastic. It's a great run out. But as I was preparing today, as I was preparing last weekend for this weekend, I really felt led to go in the direction of what is first in the natural, then also in the spiritual. Because what is in the natural people running outside there, and you probably see people going around with numbers on them and having run the race and this kind of stuff today. I believe that what we, can, what we see in the natural can also be reflected or will also be reflected this morning in the spiritual. So this morning's message is titled, An Unsurprising, The Race of Faith. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. And you might go, oh no, I've heard a million messages about that. Uh, you haven't heard this one, so that's, that's okay. Now, before we start that, I'm going to ask somebody to come up on the stage to me for a second. Could I please have Gerard? Would you please come up to the stage here? Gerard, will you put your hands together for Gerard? You'll explain, understand why in a second. Gerard, you are a beast. And do you know why Gerard is a beast? Because Gerard has already run in the Cork City Marathon today. Let's have a look at this man. Look at this. What leg of the relay were you running in? The second. The second leg. Okay, so you took off down here and you ran down through the tunnel. Is that right? From Silver Springs to the tunnel. Silver Springs to the tunnel. Ah, cool. I'd love to have done that this morning. (laughs) Brave to go to church instead, like. I'm only messing. Fair play to Gerard. Gerard is a runner. He prepared for the race and he ran the race today with endurance. How many miles? Five and a half? Five and a half half miles. Has anybody here ever run five and a half miles? Just quickly. Terry. Five and a half. Go on, get it up, get it up. I want to see your hands. Five and a half miles. Has anybody here run six miles? Running six miles, running six miles, running six miles. Anybody here run seven miles, seven miles? Seven, 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 eight, 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 eight. I see the hands are starting to drop. Nine, nine, anybody run nine? Anybody run ten miles? Ten miles. Fifteen miles. How many people in another hand dropping at the back there? And how many people here have run twenty miles? Twenty miles, twenty miles. Oh gosh, that's what keeping up. Good man, Josephine. Josephine's hand in the air. Well done you. Anybody here run twenty-six miles? Twenty-six miles. We still got three up. We still got three up, four up. Anybody run more than twenty-six miles? Maybe twenty-six point two miles. Anybody I ran that far. I didn't run any further though. Let's give it up for these guys. God bless you, lads. Well done. So So Gerard went into training, and when he went into training, he set a goal in mind. Your goal was to run the second leg of the relay, and you ran and you prepared for it. Did you enjoy the run? Yes. Are there any spiritual and physical parallels that can be drawn between running 
um, and, and, and faith. It hurts, but don't stop. Let's give it up for this man. God bless you. Well done. Thank you, Gerard. Do you know, actually, we could probably close in prayer on that one. We're going to run the spiritual race of faith. It hurts, but don't stop. It hurts, but don't stop. When we get into Hebrews chapter 12, and I hope you're not going to be bored with running. I hope you're not going to be bored running because you are running the most important race you could ever possibly run, the run of faith. Hebrews 12 naturally or follows from the chapter Hebrews 11, which is the story of the, of the heroes of faith, people who believed God and saw amazing things happen, saw people be raised from the dead, saw prisoners set free, saw miracles of the sea opening and manna descend, seen miracles of provision. But it also contains stories of those who lived in holes in the ground, those who went around wearing animal skins, those who were sawn in half for their faith. Anybody want to join that queue? Anybody want to be sawn in half of their faith? Those who were sawn in half is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. It not only records those who did amazing, wonderful, got fantastic miracles, but it also records those who by faith suffered desperately for their faith, but kept on going. Now, I hope nobody here gets sawn in half. By the end of this message, I may be, you may want to saw me in half, and that's okay, but I hope nobody gets sawn in half. We're going to look then Immediately after 11, we start on 12, and Paul uses the image of a race at the start of Hebrews chapter 12, and he begins with a word. The word he begins with is the word, therefore. Now, when you read your Bible, especially when you read the New Testament and you read the letters of Paul, and it's almost certainly written by Paul, it is speculated, it is debated, but it almost certainly is Paul. When you read the word, therefore, in the Bible, what it means is that you see all that happened before What comes next is a consequence of all that happened before. That's when you see the word, therefore, let us, whatever, therefore, something or other. So if you read all of Paul's letters, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It begins with an introduction and a greeting. It then spells who we are in Christ Jesus. And then they always spell out the consequences of who we are in Christ Jesus. A little bit more on that in a second. So when Paul gets to this point, he's saying, remember all these heroes of faith? Remember how Jesus went before God and he paid the price for our sins? And he says, no, this is the result of that. He begins by saying this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, all the people from Hebrews chapter 11, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that's slows us down and especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. If these are the only verses that you take away today, I say praise God. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. He begins by saying, and I'm going to go to the next couple of verses in a second, especially if you're listening to Catholic Church, we're going to just go through the, the first passage first. He begins by saying, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. All the people there in Hebrews chapter 11, the witnesses to the life of faith. Now, some people think that the cloud of witnesses are all these people up in heaven looking down on earth going, come on, Michael, you can do it. That's not the cloud of witnesses he's talking about. He's talking about people who live the life of faith and have worked it out and who know that the life of faith is the best way to live. But when you sit in this room this morning, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are over 200 people in this room this morning who will testify to the life of faith that it is the best way to live. You, wherever you sit in this room, are surrounded by a cloud of people, a witness gang who will say, yes, the life of faith is the way to live. Is there anybody here who would testify that the life of faith is the best way to live? Get your law of a source. Let's give us your vote. If you are wondering about this, if you have questions in your head and your heart about whether or not this is the right way to go, look at the hands that were raised around you. You can see the hands that were raised around you to testify that this is the way to do it. He says, so let us strip off every weight that slows us down. If you were going to run in the marathon this morning, you wouldn't have done so in your backpack, a pair of jeans, a pair of big leather black shoes and an overcoat, would you? You wouldn't run like that. Nobody runs like that. In actual fact, I, I, I ran the, year, the year I ran the full marathon, we're running through Blackpool, and next thing past me going the other way at high speed is obviously one of these Ethiopian lads. He's, he's, he's got that much fat on his body, and he goes, he goes past, and look at him, and he's got a backpack on. You're going, how does he do that? 
singlet backpack and he's going like the wind and I'm going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Let's strip off the weight. And you know, if you're ever running, I'm just going to use some examples from running because I do a good bit of running myself. Do you know something? You get to take off a hat or if you're running in the winter, you take off your gloves or something. It just feels like you're running so much lighter. But Paul is alluding to something even more important here. He's alluding to the games, the ancient Olympic games in Greece. And in those games, when the runners ran, they didn't wear anything at all. They ran naked. Completely naked. That's why women weren't allowed to go to the Olympic Games back in the day. They're allowed to go now because guys don't do that anymore. But, I mean, it's, the Irish used to go into battle in, in the nude, completely naked. The ancient Celts would go into the battle in the nude. Now, I think it's one thing to go in to run a race naked. It's something completely different to go against fellows with spears and hatchets and knives naked. It kind of doesn't make much sense to me. But these people ran and they stripped off every weight. Nothing held them back. And he says, and the sin that so easily entangles us or snares us up or trips us up, you know, Every one of us have one. Every living Christian I've known has a touchstone, has a weakness, has a spot, has an area where they are weak and where they can get so easily tempted. Let us strip it. Let's get rid of it. Let's move it out of our lives. Whatever it takes, he's saying, get that out of your life and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And then he goes this. He said, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He disregarded shame. And now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful, sinful people. And then you won't become weary and give up. He says, keep running. And how do we do the running when the going gets tough? We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. One is that Jesus is the target and he's the aim. And if we keep looking, if you're running over, say, a desert, and you look at one point, a fixed rock or a mountain in the distance, then you will keep going straight. But if you don't fix your eyes on something, you will begin to go around in circles. Because whether you know it or not, one of your legs is actually shorter than the other. Ever so slightly shorter than the other. Everybody has one leg that's shorter than the other. So if you start walking, the muscles in my right leg are stronger than my left leg. So my left, my right stride is stronger than my left stride. Are you with me on this one now? Am, am I making sense? So if I was to set off and just begin to walk, say with my eyes closed, and I kept walking, kept walking, eventually I would come around in this really, really big circle because my right leg is stronger, slightly longer, and is more used to a longer stride than my left leg. I will go around in a circle unless I look at a fixed point and say, that is what I am aiming for. What are you aiming for in your life this morning? Because what you're aiming for is the way that you are running. Whatever it is, is your primary aim in life. That's the way that you are running this morning. If your aim is to become rich and comfortable and popular and famous, that's the direction. That's the race that you're running this morning. But he's, he's kind of using the illustration in two ways. The other is let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The idea being that Jesus went through an awful lot of tough times. Jesus went through an awful lot of difficulty. He went through a lot of persecution and abuse and violence. He went through all of that. And he's saying, fix your eyes on him. Use him as your example. Use him when you're in trial and your difficulty. Ask yourself, what did Jesus go through? And compare your difficulties and your trials. That's what he's saying. Look at what Jesus did. And he says, he, says, he goes on to say, he goes on to say that he, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. You know, so many people in their faith, they don't, they don't fall away and they don't turn back from the Lord because of the battle. They turn back because they get weary and they give up and they become discouraged. The NIV puts it this way. The NIV Bible uh, puts it this way. He says, let us run with perseverance the road marked out before us. See, a lot of people are running, but they're running their own race. He's saying, run the race that God has set before you. Run the race that God has set before you. Don't be running somebody else's race. Don't be going somebody else's course. Don't be going, and we'll get to that in a second. And he uses this lovely word. He uses the word persevere. 
And we love words like persevere, don't we? Because we say, Lord, don't bless me, just let me persevere. Isn't that right? We all pray that every Monday, don't we? Let's just persevere. You see, if we don't persevere, just like Gerard said, it hurts, but don't give up. That's what it means. Perseverance means get up again ability. It means stick ability. It means keep going, keep going, and run the race marked out before you. I have this, I have this fitness um, app that I have, you know, and every now and again I use it just, just for a, a fast workout, and, um, and part of the workout is running on the spot. Now, has anybody ever here gone running on the spot? Do you know you're going to run on the spot? You know, that, you know that kind of running on the spot thing? Anybody here ever done running on the spot? It is head-wrecking. So it is. Running on the spot. Because they say, and in my app, it's, it's, it's a woman is on the app. A woman's voice says, now run on the spot for 30 seconds. And I feel like saying, I'll hop you out the window. And I run on the spot. So I start running. And then she says, faster. <laughs> faster. <laughs> and I go, but you know the thing about running on the spot is you feel like such a dope when you're doing it especially when you're standing in front of 250 people running on the spot it makes no sense and you know so many people are running they're putting in all their energy all their energy and they're not going anywhere if she said to me run out the back door and up the street I'd much prefer it than running on the spot and so many people find themselves running and putting in all their energy and they're running on the spot and you know something, I could run, and I have run for miles and miles and miles, but for some reason, the 30 seconds of running on the spot feels like about 30 hours. It feels awful because I'm not making any progress. <sighs> Do you ever have that experience in your life? That you feel like you're running and running and running and running and you're not making any progress? I've had that feeling once or twice. Or once every week or so, thereabouts. <laughs> you run, but you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. You're just running. And there's some no sense to it. And you're running this way and you're running that way. And you're running up the hill and running down the hill. And out the door and in the back door. And it just seems to be all going. And you're running a crazy fool. And there's no real direction to it. Some of us can be addicted to busyness. We can be addicted to the busyness of life. We think because somebody thinks we're busy, it means that we're important. Because we're busy, it means we're doing something and we're being productive. But busyness and productivity are not the same thing. Running and going somewhere are not the same thing. You can just run around your garden. I do it regularly myself. Well, not that regularly, okay, just in case you're wondering. My neighbors look out the window, he's at it again. <laughs> Running around the garden with his wife chasing him. My mentor, my encourager, Elma, chasing me with the brush. You know, we have to persevere. You see, you can go home and stick on a number of channels or go and get your favorite YouTube video or downsize, download your own bite-sized piece of life that will tell you all you need to do is believe and you'll be blessed. But you know something? That's not true. It's just not true. And if you start buying into that belief, you begin to say, I don't feel blessed, therefore I mustn't be doing something right. It doesn't say feel blessed, it says be blessed. And if you persevere in the race of faith, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. There's an old saying we used to use in Cork. And it was this. It said, it's not the dog in the fight. It's the fight in the dog that counts. That's what counts. J.R.R. Tolkien put it slightly nicer. He said, it's not the strength of the body it counts, but the strength of the spirit. The spirit within you. It doesn't mean you're going to make great miles, but are you going to keep going? Are you going to keep running the race with perseverance? Keep going with perseverance. You see, the race we're in is a hurdle race. It's not just a gentle trot around the track somewhere. It's not something nice and cross-country, a lovely afternoon out. It's not that race. The race we're in involves hurdles. It involves people getting sick and doors not opening. It involves people coming against us because of our faith. It involves us not having our prayers answered just when we want them answered. It means we will walk with a limp and sometimes be sick. It'll mean we'll argue with our wives and husbands. Would any of the married people say amen? Oh, lads, I could hear the pain coming off the floor here. 
It's a hurdle race. You will have to jump over things. You will have to go around things. But you will have to keep on going. I listened to a guy talking recently about a, a cyclist. His name is Chris Hoy. Some of you will have heard of him. He's an English cyclist. He's a British cyclist. And apparently his, his training regime goes something like this. He gets up in the morning, he gets on the bike. And he cycles and he cycles and he cycles until he falls off his bike in the velodrome. Until his legs are so sore, he cannot cycle another pedal round. At that point, he is picked up by his trainers and put into a bath of ice. He doesn't do it anymore. He's after waking up to it. Anyway. He's put into a bath of ice. After the bath of ice, baths of ice, everybody loves ice baths. After a bath of ice, He's taken out and he's put onto another bike where he then sits cycling while looking at a screen watching how he cycled around the track earlier. And this goes on all day long. And then he gets back on the bike again in the afternoon and races around the velodrome for another 100 million laps or whatever it is he does. And then he gets up the following morning, his alarm goes off and he does exactly the same thing again. Now, I wouldn't like to live like that, but that is a good way to win seven Olympic gold medals. Because he gets up again and he does it again. And that's what the Christian life is going to be about, guys. You're going to have to get up again and start running again. If you fall, you get up. If you stumble, you keep going. If you're running out of energy, you pray for more energy. We'll pray for that in a minute. Because you can take your pick of races. You can run in this race, the race of faith. And I know that most of you are choosing that race. Or you can run in the rat race. The rat race is the race the world would like to have you run in. It's the race that has you thinking that you will never have enough. It will have you chasing your career and your finances. There's nothing at all wrong with a good career. Would anyone say amen? There's nothing at all wrong with having plenty of finances. Would anybody say amen? But if that's all you're chasing, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your life. If the rat race is the one where you get up in the morning, you eat your breakfast, it's halfway done, your throat, you have to rush out the door, get the kids into the car, get out, get to work, get to work, 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 work stop for lunch, go back and back, back to work again and keep going and then repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and you're not going anywhere, but you think you're getting somewhere. You see, the thing is this, the world has a simple motto for this. It says this, do, have, be. Do, have, be. You can Google it yourself. Do, have, be. Do the work, do the study, do the hard hours, and then you will have the career and the car and the house and the holidays and all the trinkets of life, and then you will be someone. Then you will be a doctor in the middle classes at last. Then you will be somebody who has dragged themselves up out of the gutter. That's what it says. Do, then you have, and then you be. But the Bible teaches the exact, well, not quite the exact opposite, but its starting point is different. It says we need to be before we do, and then we will have. So he says, you need to be in Jesus Christ. Will anyone say amen? You need to be with Jesus. You need to be in God's favor. You need to be in God's will. And then when you do what God commands you to do, when, God, when you follow the way that God wants you to live, and it's not all that hard, it's pretty simple, when you do God's will in your life, then you will have what God wants to bring into your life, including incredible, overflowing joy. Remember what the writer to Hebrews said that Jesus did this for the joy that was set before him, for the prize that was coming, for the glory that was coming, he went through all of the trials and all the struggles because he knew who he was. He was B before he did, before he had. And that's the Christian way of doing it. But that's not the way that you are going to find yourself doing it. The do, the have, the be is the way of the world. And everywhere you go, all advertising systems, all most political systems will tell you, do, have, be, do, have, be, do, have, be, do, have, be. The writer Solomon who did it all, who had it all, who was it all. At the end of his life, wrote this in Ecclesiastes. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and everything I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained. Nothing was gained. After all I did, all the work I did, I built palaces, I dug canals. I even built a temple of God. 
I built a great army. I got chariots and horses. I had money coming out my ears. As many wives as you can shake a stick at. A thousand if you want to count them all, including his concubines. And he said, after all of this, he said, chasing after the wind. It was just meaningless. It had no meaning. I read an interesting article. Barry Conman sent me an article recently by one of the heirs, written by one of the heirs. It was an interview on the heirs to the Guinness um, uh, fortune. Do you know the Guinness family? This guy lives in, I think it's a 16 million pounds UK mansion. I think it was 16 million he lives. And the guy has wealth beyond all of his life. And do you know what he said? He said, I wish I'd never been born. He said, because I got everything. I have been spared nothing. I've had a fantastic life. But you know something he said? Here I am at this stage in my life, a man probably heading into his early 70s. And he said, it is absolutely meaningless. This is not an ancient scribe. This is a guy who's alive now and has all of this money in the bank. Can do whatever he likes. And he said, lads, it's meaningless. The Monaco and the Monte Carlo, it's meaningless. The cars and the yachts and the girls and the yada, yada, yada. It's all meaningless. And do you know what? People don't get that. Do you know why it's so hard to run your race? Do you know why it can be a struggle at times to run the race of faith? There's a very, very simple reason. Right at the bottom of it all. The very simple reason. Do you know what it is? Everybody's running in the other direction. That's why. If you went out into the Cork City Marathon today like the bold Gerard here did, and Gerard was running up one street, and the thousands and thousands of people running in the marathon were running the other way, wouldn't you think that Gerard might think to himself, um, am I running the wrong way here? Because everybody is going that way. Because everybody is going after all of the toil. And everybody I know seems to be thinking it's career, it's money, it's life, it's wealth, it's treasure, it's riches. Everybody I know is chasing that one. But why am I running this way? It feels like I'm going the wrong way. Now even if you walk up a street where lots of people are walking towards you, it can be difficult. You're bumping into people and you're hopping off them and they're shouldering you. And it's like it can be like New York on the South Mall sometimes. You're walking on, people are bumping into you and walking across you and they're cutting, cutting you off everybody's going the other way but the Bible did say that Jesus did say broad is the way and many are those who walk in it that leads to but narrow is the way and few are those who find it that is the way to life why is it so hard to run your race because you, when you wake up in the morning the ads tell you that you're running the wrong way when you wake up in the morning, the book you read is telling you you're running the wrong way. When you look at your TV in the evening, the TV is telling you that you're running the wrong way. When you read a newspaper, the newspaper is telling you you're running the wrong way. But when you pick up God's word, when you pick up the eternal words of Jesus Christ and you read them and they feed your soul, then you realize, I am running the right way. But you know what? If you read one verse once a week, taken with a glass of water, that's not going to help you run the race of faith. You need to be able to get this truth inside here. If the truth of God's word is not building up in your heart, is not washing out the, the principles of this world out of your system, then you are not going to be able to last the full length of the race. We have to be informed, we have to be fed, we have to be strengthened for the race that we are in. Because most of the people you, you meet, remember the graphic Tom put it up on the, on the screen there recently, about one in a hundred people you meet. If you go into Aldi and there's a hundred people inside an Aldi up in Grange where I live, one of those people is a Christian. In actual fact, there's probably Probably me if I'm in there, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, there's one Christian inside an Aldi. There's one person who loves Jesus Christ and who loves the Lord. I was doing a wedding in, in, in Kenmare last week down in a, play, a beautiful place, down with them in a place called uh, Drumquinna Manor. And I had done the wedding, and when I met this couple, um, I met them way back in January or something like that, and I said, there's something funny about this guy, there's something about this guy is unusual, and, and we were just having a conversation, and after the wedding was all over, his aunt and uncle, the guy, he was an American guy that I that married to his Irish wife, and afterwards his uh, aunt came up to me and she said, it's so lovely to hear somebody read the Bible and read the books by Gary Chapman. And I said, do you read those books as well? I was using an illustration that a Christian writer uses. I said, do you read those books as well? She said, oh, yes, I do. 
and we kind of give each other the look. You know, the Christians, they kind of give each other the look like, I know you know, Gard, I know who you are. And I said, and why do you read Gary Chapman in the Bible? And she looked at me, she said, because I love the Lord. And here's this woman from Alabama in the United States of America. And we're standing inside in a field down in Kenmare and we are having fellowship. Because I said to her, do you know something? It's wonderful to meet you. I love the Lord too. And there we were having this moment of fellowship. While they were all, ah, well done, my congratulations. And we were having fellowship, sweet fellowship, building one another up for the race. There wasn't an awful lot of Christians at that wedding. One, two, three by my count. One in a hundred people you meet are running the same way as you. The other 99 are running the other way. It takes courage. It takes faith. It takes perseverance to keep running if you're going to run that way. And why would you run that way? You'd run it for one reason. I run, I personally run, I go out and I get exercise. I do it because it's good for me. I do it because I like to control my weight and I like to stay fit. And there was a bit of heart disease in my family going back along the generations. And I don't really want to be visited by that heart disease if it's okay. So I'm trying to look after my health and that's why I run. Paul ran the race of faith, but he ran for a completely different reason. He ran for the right reason and the reason that you should be running. He ran for the prize. Do you know there's nothing all wrong with running the race of faith for the prize? There's nothing at all wrong with running the race of faith for the reward that is in running the race of faith. Oh no, I want to do it because it's good for my soul. I want to keep going because it's better for me if I do the hard yards. No, run for the prize. When you go into work tomorrow morning, or actually you won't be going to work tomorrow morning if, you're a, if, if it's a bank holiday, but some of you will, some of you won't. When you do, don't go in and tell your boss I'm doing this voluntarily from now on. <laughs> He'll be delighted with you. Go to work to get your pay. Would anyone say amen? amen? You run the race to win the prize. Would anyone say amen? amen. Mm, not so sure? Let's see what Paul said. He said, I have fought the good fight. I read this only this morning in my daily reading. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. And he's thinking of the laurel wreath that would have gone on the head of the Olympians. There was a laurel wreath they would put on him. And that was the prize. And Paul talked about it fading. It doesn't matter. He says, he says this, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on the day of his return. And here's the really good news. The prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. All who look forward to what the, in Greek is called the parousia, the appearing or the revealing of Jesus. If you're looking forward to seeing Jesus return, if you're looking forward to meeting Jesus face to face, there is a prize awaiting you because we don't race against each other, brothers and sisters. We run together. Amen. You may go faster on your own, but you run further together. That's what you'll do. We run together and we build one another up and we're part of the cloud of witnesses that's around us. That's what we do. We run and we run and we run and we run so that we can finish the race. Paul writes again. He says, I press on to possess the perfection, the perfection being God's perfection when he meets Jesus face to face for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And he says, I focus I focus on this one thing. You see, I think Paul probably didn't really kind of get into the, into the, the Tarsus. He was from a city called Tarsus. I don't think he was into the Tarsus Saints soccer team. I don't think he was going, come on, Tarsus. I mean, you know, I, I don't think he was that much into hurling. Now, he should have been into hurling because it's an amazing sport. But there you go. I don't think he was that much into hurling or rugby or basketball. He focused his life on one thing. It was one thing only, he said. And I focus on this one thing. What is the focus of your lives, lads? What's the focus of my life? What's the focus of our lives? Paul says, I focus on this one thing and I love he says it. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly praise which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. To receive the heavenly praise. I press on. 
you know, you've seen it yourself. I guarantee you've probably seen it. If you ever watch sports, the runner who's running down and is 100 meters from home. And as he starts to run, he starts to look over his shoulder. And there's this Kenyan coming up on the outside. And the Kenyan, he's got... He's like a greyhound coming up on the outside. And the, and the poor old, with respect, the poor old whitey from Finland or from Ireland is going, ah, ah. and the Kenyan's like, yeah, I'm going to catch up with you. It's like Usain Bolt pouring up the outside and the chest is out. And this, the Irish fellow's looking over his shoulder. Will I make it? Will I make it? Paul says, I don't look behind me. I keep looking forward. What does looking behind mean? Oh, if only I had made that decision. Uh, Wrong. If only I had married this person. Eh, wrong. If only I had made that career choice. Wait for it. Eh, wrong. Stop looking behind. You're not running that way. Look at the way you're running. Look the way you're running. Keep looking forward. Stop looking over your shoulder at what might have been or what could have been. I could have been someone. Well, so could anyone. You could, anybody could have been someone. Anybody might have, well, given the right path, I could have had a great career. Could you? Well, you didn't. You're here. You're right where you are. And looking back, you can't change it. The past is frozen. If you could see into your past, all the people in your past are like this. They're frozen. Nothing changes. It is as it is. We are where we are. You can only keep going forward. Amen. How many people do you know go running like this? And plow into the piano and the stage in the process. No one runs like that, and yet so often we do. Our walk of faith is one of, if only I hadn't said that to, like, I could even say it. If only I hadn't said that to my, actually, I probably won't say that. If only, I've often said, if only I had gone to college, I'd love to have gone to college. I think I would have gone on quite well in college. I wish I'd had a third degree education, but you know what? I didn't. I'm thick as two planks. Love me anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's past. It's gone. There's nothing I can do about it. It is frozen. Not fast. Frozen. <laughs> it's not very fast. The past is the past, and it is frozen. The future is fast. Would anyone say amen? amen. That's where we are going. Now, I know that there are plenty of people here this morning who don't feel that they have it in them to run the next mile. I know there's people in here this morning who have been so beaten by circumstance, who've been so surrounded by difficulty after difficulty, hurdle after weary hurdle, issue after weary issue, trouble after difficult trouble. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, he says, Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Because everybody's life has got trouble. Everybody's life has got issues. But you've just got to keep on going. Will you keep on going with me? Who wants to keep going? I want to pray for you that you would have the strength to keep going, that you may win the prize. It would, I mean it sincerely, it would break my heart to think that anybody sitting inside in this hall would not on the last day be owned and know Jesus Christ. It would break my heart if anybody here through discouragement fell away because they just didn't think that they could go on. I think it would break my heart for you to sit in a room with 250 people inside it and find no one who will offer you encouragement and help you on. That would break my heart. It would break my heart the idea that the day will come when Jesus turns to you or to me and says, away, I never knew you. I want to keep going. I want you to keep going. I want us to win the prize together. Do you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see when we get to heaven, there's this little corner up in kind of like the northwest corner of the universe. It's called Grace Christian Church. Would anyone say amen? amen. And we kind of all meet up there and go, I saw you before I'm going to meet Apostle Paul. I want us to keep going and I want to pray this morning that we keep going. I'm going to invite the worship band to come up because I want to look at this last verse before we finish. I want to look at this last verse before we finish. The prophet Isaiah, and you're familiar with this verse, but I want you to listen to it and take courage from it this morning. The prophet Isaiah writes this. 
speaking in the Lord's stead. He said, He gives power, speaking of God, He gives power to the weak. Would anyone say amen? amen. He gives strength to the powerless. Would anyone say amen? amen. <sighs> Even youths, young fellas like me. Amen. Come on, a bit more of the amen there, no lads, come on. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on eagles' wings. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. Amen. If you're here this morning and you just want to say, Lord... I want the strength to run one more mile. Give me the strength. I can't see the end of the race, but give me the strength to run one more mile. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, look, I've been missing it. I've been chasing my own thing. Lord, I just want to get back in the race. I want to get back in the race of faith. I've stumbled. I've fallen. I've been tripped up. I've been, I've been boarding down, but I just want to get back in the race. Or if you're here and you want to say, Lord, help me to keep my focus. Help me to keep my eyes on Jesus who starts and finishes my faith. I want us to pray for that this morning. Would anyone say amen? Can I invite you to stand? The band are going to lead us in the first verse and chorus of the song um, Strength Will Rise as we wait upon the Lord. strength for the next mile. Would you give me strength? Will you raise your hand? We're going to pray together. Just keep your hand up for a second. If you're here this morning and you realize, Lord, I've been pursuing the wrong stuff. I've been tripped up by the sin that so easily trips me up. I have been worn down by burdens I shouldn't have been carried. And I just want to get back in the race. Lord, will you help me get back in the race? If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? I see your hands. Just keep them up for a second. And finally, if you want to say, Lord, help me to keep my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. Help me to fix my focus on him and to run against the stream, against the flow of the world, against the crowd. Help me, Lord, to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. If that's you this morning, say, Lord, I just need that focus again. Will you raise your hand? I see your hands. I'm going to invite you to come to the front just for a second. We're going to pray together. Can I invite you to come up to the front if you've raised your hand for any of those? There's just an energy when we pray together. There is a focus when we pray together. There is a, a power when we pray together. Terry, you might sing for us. God, yes. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord.
Let's pray. Will we pray? Let's lift our lives before God. Let's lift our lives before God. Father in heaven, I want to pray first for those this morning who are beaten down by trial and tribulation and difficulty. I pray for those this morning, Lord, who are wearied from jumping hurdle after hurdle, who feel like they get no breakthrough. Lord God, would you give them the strength for the next mile? Anyone say amen. Lord, we don't see the end of the race yet. It's around a bend and over a hill and beyond us, Lord. But give us the strength to run as far as we can see to the next mile, to the next corner, Lord. I pray that, that, that those people, Lord, even right now will sense an infusion of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Because you give strength to those who wait on you, Lord. And Lord, this is not a lazy waiting. It's active expectancy that God is going to fulfill his purpose and his plan. We look to you for strength this morning, Lord, for those for the next mile. Lord, I pray for those this morning who have fallen out of the race, Lord. Those who've been tripped up and feel guilty this morning, who feel that they can't face you or face their friends again because of their sin or their weakness, Lord. For those, Lord, who have been worn down and burdened and have tried to carry too much, I pray for them this morning, Lord Jesus, that they would get back in the race. Would anyone say amen? Get back in the race. Would anyone say amen? Amen. Lord, I pray as well for those today, Lord, who just need to get their focus. And Lord, I include me, Lord. May our lives be focused. May our focus be a lifetime focus. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Take them off ourselves. Take them off those around us. Take them off our circumstances. Take them off our situations. And fix our eyes upon Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that what you started in us, you will complete. What you've begun in us, you will carry on until it is done, Lord. I thank you, Lord, you don't give up on any of us. You don't give up on any of us. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, don't let us be burdened with anything that we shouldn't be burdened with, Lord. Protect us, Lord, even from our own mistakes and decisions. I dreamt last night of a situation. I dreamt last night of a woman who was telling me that she was really in a hurry to get married. No, I don't know any of her situations and I don't know who's, you know, and so on and so forth. Now, whether it was somebody who was already married previously or not, I don't know. But somebody who was in a real hurry to be married. I could see the person in my dream. And they spoke to me and they were really, really, really excited about getting married and they needed to get married as soon as possible. And I believe God would say to you this morning, if you're here this morning and you feel that you're really in a hurry to get married, the Lord would say to you, you need to slow down. You need to slow down before you rush into a life-changing decision like that. If you're thinking in that way, into a rush, life-changing decision, slow down. Take counsel. Take God's counsel. Get advice. Listen carefully to the people and the friends God has placed around you in your life. Christian friends, I mean. Don't rush into a life-changing decision without getting counsel. I believe God wants to say that to someone this morning. Another person I saw in a dream last night, um, and I believe God spoke to me. It was a person who, who previously had been bald and whose hair was thinning out and had gotten grey. And now they had this full head of hair and they were so happy because they got their hair back. You go, what is done? What is he on about now? I believe the Lord would say this to you. You are where you are. There is no point in the bald man wishing that he was hairy. Would anyone say amen? amen. There is no point in the tall man wishing he was small. Would anyone say amen? amen? There is no point in the strong man wishing he was weak or the weak man wishing he was strong. You are what you are. You are exactly as God has called you to be. Don't fall for the illusion that you need to be someone else. Be your beautiful self. Bring your beautiful self to Jesus Christ and he will use you. You don't need to change. You don't need to jump down, turn around, pick a bale of cotton. You don't have to do anything like that. He will use you exactly as you are, exactly where you are. Let's pray. I give you the race of faith this morning, brothers and sisters. The race of faith that you are in. As we close in prayer this morning, we're facing in the week you're coming. 
jump them. Would anyone say amen? I'd love to pray now that from all the problems in your life. I pray that when the difficulties and the trials come, and they'll come, that you will still have the strength, that you will be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. And as Gerard, good man Gerard, it hurts, but keep praying. Amen? Let's lift our hands to heaven and pray. Let's lift our hands to heaven and pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters. I pray for me, Lord. As we go from this place today, Lord, on the day of the Cork City Marathon, that we may focus our heads and hearts on the race of faith you have called us to run, Lord. I pray this week, Lord, that though there may, though there may be uh, distractions, Lord, that there won't be any disasters. Would anyone say amen? amen? Lord, I pray this week that we wouldn't run with the crowd, but we would run with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't run. We would run this week, Lord, if it's against the wind or if it's against the world or if it's against circumstance that we would continue to run the race that you have called us to run in. Give all of us, Lord, strength to face our own trials and our own difficulties and our own troubles, Lord. And Lord, I know this week there will be deliverance from trouble for some, but for others, Lord, there will be deepening of difficulties. And Lord, for that, you give us your Holy Spirit. You give us your Holy Spirit. Give us the strength to keep fighting the good fight, running the good race, that we may receive the prize, the crown of glory, which you have held up for all of those who are waiting for your appearing. May we this week not be disqualified from the prize that you have called us to, to. in Jesus' name and God's people said. Now let's pray together and for one another. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you brothers and sisters and go with you. We're going to be serving tea and coffee upstairs, I think. I didn't see anybody coming in to make coffee, but I hope there will be. There is, yes, we've had it confirmed being served upstairs. We'll see you on Tuesday night. May God go with you as you run the race and strengthen you this week. And if you are a visitor, please make sure you come up and say hello to me after the meeting. And don't forget there is unplugged Bible study for men and for women this afternoon at three o'clock. God bless and go with you. Amen.